Welcome to worship at Hollywood United Methodist Church and welcome to our congregation and our choir this morning. We're so glad to have you on this, our yay. On this, the first of two soft openings, it is so lovely to see all of your vaccinated faces. I'm so glad you're here. Let us now stand as you are able and join with our choir as we sing together, I Sing the Almighty Power of God.
Dear God, we gather here with you today elated that for the first time in 18 months, we have opened the doors of our sanctuary to the street and have been able to welcome a few members of this congregation into worship and prayer as we prepare for a great return of all of our friends and loved ones. We offer you gratitude and thanks and all the things that have made it possible for us to get to this place. And we pray that you will continue to work in this congregation with wisdom to give us insight and to guide us by your spirit so that every action we take ensures the safety of our neighbor and our loved ones and allows us to be in worship and service with you. On this Sunday of remembrance, 20 years since the day of horror and terror that unfolded in this nation of September 11th, we share that we continue to mourn for the lives that were lost that day. We lift up the grief of families that continue to seek answers. And we acknowledge that we have had some of our own myths shattered about the American dream and who we are as a people. In the 20 years since that awful, terrible day of loss and heartbreaking, many other difficulties have unfolded. This has not been a time of peace. We pray that you will move through us with a spirit of healing, that you will give us, all of your people, the gift of wisdom to seek peace and reconciliation, to build a new future, to acknowledge that every day in front of us is a new choice, not only to redefine ourselves as a people of faith, but as a nation that seeks to build both peaceful lives but prosperity for all people. We struggle with anger that continues to be with us. We struggle when we do not understand why such things happened. For all those whose stress and trauma are being triggered by news stories and documentaries and the re-release of press images, we pray that you will be with them and remind us that we are in a new time. We thank you for an opportunity to worship and to share this grief and to continue to pray that we will evolve and find a new peace for all people. This morning in the state of California, we wake to a beautiful September morning that is also of great heat. We pray for all those who are sleeping outside, who do not have access to air conditioning or relief, that you will keep them safe. We pray for our national forests and our entire state that are on fire or under the threat of fire, for the animals that live there, the people that make their livelihood there, and all the firefighters who are seeking to preserve your special and blessed nature. Make us aware and present of climate change. Make us unafraid to talk about the truths that we know through science and our own experience and embolden us as people of faith to be good stewards of your earth and do what is needed to preserve this earth and all of its beautiful wonders for the children of our future, for ourselves, and for you, for this is your creation. We pray for all those who are impacted and continue to be impacted by the COVID-19 coronavirus, all those struggling with illness, all those seeking vaccination but who cannot find access, and for all those struggling with whether or not to be vaccinated, we pray that you will guide them and answer whatever questions they have 
so that they might have the kind of health and security that they need to be safe from this virus. And we continue to pray for all those in our community who are struggling in this moment, all those who have not been able to find work or who are beginning to return to work in a time of uncertainty. We pray for the many millions of our neighbors who were dependent on unemployment benefits which have ceased as of last week and who are now wondering how they will pay for food and their rent. This is going to be a difficult moment and we pray as a people of faith that you will prepare us to be present in it, to walk with our brothers and sisters, to show love and to be ready to act when needed. We lift up those in our community who are struggling with illness or sadness, loneliness, uncertainty. We pray that you will be with them. And we pray for all those who are recovering from illness, like our brother Richard Settle. May you continue to work in his life. We lift up our beloved sister and mentor, Bishop Marianne Swenson, this morning as we continue to mourn the loss of Jeff, her longtime partner in this ministry, and our longtime friend who we miss very much. We pray for all the leaders of our church and our community and our electeds that your wisdom and spirit may move through them and that together we may build the beloved community that your son Jesus Christ called us to do. And it was he who taught us to pray this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning, church family. It is so good to see the few faces that are here helping us test our COVID protocols and do this soft opening with us today. So many things are coming in the life of the church, so I have a couple of great announcements to share with you. The first, of course, which I know we've all been waiting for, is that we will be celebrating Homecoming Sunday on September 26th, which means that it is time to bring back all of our friends who are vaccinated and ready to worship together. We can't wait to see you smizing um, with your vaccinated smiles behind your masks that day. If you're someone who's not able to be vaccinated, we understand and we, we ask that you continue to worship with us, but virtually we're gonna continue to live stream everything that we have here. Um, and we will be here when you are ready to join us in person. Rev Hath Kathy is going to be hosting a really awesome chat about the next sermon series called Freeing Jesus by the incredible writer, Diana Butler Bass. That's gonna meet on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. on Zoom, and it will start on September 22nd. Additionally, Pastor Mark Stevenson will be offering a really amazing Bible study on the book of Romans called In the Grip of Grace. It's eight sessions. Um, we're staying on Zoom with this one. It's one of the things that we've picked up from the pandemic. People are more able to participate after work if we're able to offer it in that virtual way, which is super exciting. So you can get home, eat dinner, and plug in for some good conversation. That starts at 7.15 on September 23rd, a Thursday night, and we hope that you will join us. 
And lastly, all that we do, all the ministry that is possible here in this church that allows us to be in the heart of Hollywood, praying, worshiping, and acting, serving our Lord, and calling attention to the issues of our community that we know that we can be a part of, is because of your gifts and your generosity. Your tithes make a difference in the ministry of this church, and we encourage you to give as generously as you are able. You will find many ways to do that um, online and even up here on the screen. And we look forward to having you back here with us again on September 26th.
A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their lives will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Words of God, words of life. Thanks be to God. I can't begin to tell you how beautiful your faces are. I just can't. It's just wonderful. And how wonderful the music is all under the direction of the amazing John West. <laughs> Who is also back from vacation. But we are here and able to be in the sanctuary safely because, you know, for the past, I don't know, year, um, maybe, not, maybe six months, we've had cords and cables and everything hanging down. But, and there's a lot of people who have worked on that and put a lot of effort into making everything safe and secure. But the two have put in time at both this campus and at our Harmony Toluca Lake campus, who are also having their soft opening today, would be Dave Whitaker, who is amazing on our sound, and our yeah. And the man who has kept all of us together and all of us online, in all ways, and that's Marlon De Silva. So thank you, Marlon, for everything. And yeah, thank you. Now we see your lovely face because before it was just a hand at first. So, and one final thanks. Uh, thanks to Ruth Williamson, David Dean Battrell, and to Polly Perrette for today's the videos that are part of today's sermon. It was a day just like any other, just one day. It was a bright, sunny Tuesday morning on the second week of September 
which meant I was up early with the sunrise, making coffee and lunches for my third and sixth graders, and having a few moments with Renee before he went off to teach middle school. For some unknown reason, instead of going to Channel 5, which I always went to to watch my college friend Sam Rubin give the entertainment news, I stopped at Channel 4. Renee and I watched in horror and disbelief as the tragedy is what we would come to know as 9-11 progressed. We had just returned nine days earlier from a family trip to Washington, D.C., culminating in New York City. How could this be happening? Well, Renee got ready quickly, realizing there would be a lot of anxious parents bringing their kids to school that morning. And we talked about whether we should keep ours home or not, and we decided to send them off with a mention that there had been an accident at one of the places that we had wanted to visit on our trip, but just didn't have enough time, but we would get there next time we went to New York City. Of course, by the time they came home from school, they knew as much about what has happened, had happened as we did. Well, after dropping off the boys and knowing I wouldn't be getting any work done for the California Council of Churches, which was my primary appointment, I pulled out the latest Hollywood church directory and started making calls. I called congregation members who were bi-coastal or who I knew had friends in New York or family in New York. I called one of our members at the, who was at the time an elected official to see how she was holding up being in charge of a wide constituency. Ed called me and said that we would be opening the sanctuary that evening and asked if I would offer prayers as part of that service. That service was the first of many times that the choir sang Isaiah 11, also known as the first song of Isaiah. Surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in God and not be afraid, for the Lord is my stronghold and my sure defense, and God will be my savior. I was in New York for 9-11. I had lived in New York for 25 years on 17th Street and 3rd Avenue on the 31st floor of a lovely building. And on that day, I watched the towers drop. I didn't see the planes hit, but I watched the towers fall, and I have to say it was the most surreal experience of my entire life. Well, the next evening, I decided to go out for a walk, and I walked around Gramercy Park, which was this beautiful park near me, uh, and it's surrounded by a wrought iron fence, and every bit of that fence was covered with <sighs> papers that had these beautiful pictures of young people and missing, missing, missing. Of course, these were the faces of the dead, all these portraits of people missing, when in fact they were the faces of the dead, and it really upset me to no end. And I sat down on the curb right there on Gramercy Park and started to cry, and this great big black limousine of sorts or town car or something pulled up and this big bear of a guy got out and said are you okay honey and I said yes I, I haven't lost anybody personally I'm just very upset by what's happened and I'm so afraid that there's much more evil in the world than good <clears throat> well there, miraculously there was a parking spot right in front of where I was and he got out and and sat next to me and he said, no, 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 I can assure you, I have been down at ground zero all day, and I can promise you that there's much more good in the world than evil. 
We sat there for a few minutes, and he offered me a ride home, and I said, no thanks, I live nearby, and he wished me well and got in his car and drove off. But as he turned to go, I noticed on the back of his jacket it said Justice Department. This was a some big shot. But he was my angel that God, I know, sent to me. Um, he was just a, a big angel that showed up when I needed him and helped me to keep my faith during that horrible time. Anyway, that is my 9-11 story. God spoke to Ruth through her angel, as God will speak to us if we open our eyes and our hearts and listen. But this angel reminded Ruth and reminds all of us that goodness is indeed stronger than evil. Surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in God and not be afraid. The gospel that we read this morning in the eighth chapter of Mark is the theological turning point of Mark's entire brief cut to the chase gospel. It's where Jesus intentionally chooses to make a decisive turn in ministry toward the cross. It's clear that Jesus knows what he's doing and where he's going. The disciples, however, that's another matter. They want to stick with Jesus and be his followers, but they want to do so on their own terms. And we'll hear more about that next Sunday. But I'm thinking that Peter had a vision of what following Jesus to the cross would mean for him and for the other disciples. Maybe that's why Peter told Jesus to hush when he started talking about the cross. He had an idea of where Jesus was heading and Peter did not want to go there. Truth is, we're a lot like Peter, aren't we? We don't want to go there either. Because to take up our own cross and follow Jesus will mean, by definition, change will come to us. It means that we will need to disarm ourselves and let go completely of our desire to be in control, to have power over another. To take up our cross and follow Jesus means to set our mind on divine things, not human things. It means denying ourselves. It means following Jesus into a life of radical discipleship, which has as its center a focus not on ourselves, but on God. That one day, we saw first responders from all faith traditions and some, I'm sure, from no faith traditions focus on loving others. We saw them take up their own crosses and follow the source of love into buildings to rescue those who were trapped, who were injured, to comfort those who were wounded, to give solace to those who were distraught, to provide the hope that indeed goodness is stronger than evil. Perhaps their prayer was that of Isaiah, surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in God and not be afraid, for the Lord is my stronghold and my sure defense, and God will be my Savior. The morning of 9-11, I, for some reason, didn't turn on the news when I got up, and I didn't turn on the television, and I didn't check email. I just started my day. and. So I didn't hear about it until about 8.30 when I was in my car. I just turned on the radio and there it was. And my first thought was, they're wrong. This, this can't have happened because I had been a big geek when I was a kid and I had 
and obsessed with the Empire State Building. And I knew that the Empire State Building had been struck twice uh, in the 1940s by airplanes and it hadn't collapsed. This, they, they were wrong about this. And then I got home and saw the footage and of course it had happened. And as the day went on and the information got increasingly more and more horrific, I remember thinking, this is, this is a nightmare. I'm gonna wake up from this and this, this will never have happened. And then the phone began to ring and it was people I knew uh, from around the country, my family, people I knew in New York. And I realized that it, it was very much real. When I was living in New York, um, my ex-partner's loft was in Soho and all of his windows really on one whole side of the apartment, including his bedroom faced downtown. And I woke up looking at the World Trade Center for years. And in fact, whenever I had to go downtown, which was pretty rare for me, but uh, I, when I would go way downtown in Manhattan, when I would be coming up out of the subway, I would look you know, at the opening when you were going up the stairs and I would always see the World Trade Center because it was so massive and there it would be in the skyline and I always knew which way to go. I'd say, oh, okay, there it is, I'm going south. If I walk toward the World Trade Center, I know where I'm at. I can navigate by it. And um, about two years after the attack, I was back in New York and I was downtown and I remember coming up those subway steps and instead of seeing the World Trade Center, when I was coming up the steps, I saw nothing. Just this vast, big, open piece of sky. <clears throat> and I remember the first thought I had was, I'm lost. How am I gonna find out where I'm going? And now, um, you know, it's funny, uh, again, being kind of a student of history, I remember also thinking on 9-11 that this is the defining moment of the next 50 years. In the same way that Pearl Harbor changed the course of the whole world and that everything that happened after Pearl Harbor was because of Pearl Harbor. And I thought, this is, this is the next 50 years of our lives. And now, uh, 20 years afterward, I still kind of believe that. I still believe a lot of what has happened both in our country and on the world stage. Even things that don't seem directly related are to that moment of unbelievable horror and um, our inability to sort of accept um, that something like this could have happened and the, the anger and the outrage and the desire for justice became such a part of our consciousness that even now it is difficult for the world to navigate without plugging into that, that emotional reservoir. Uh, and I hope to God I mean, who knows, maybe we'll all be dead by the time this happens, but I hope that there comes a time when, although we would respect the lives of the people who were lost on 9-11 and understand and appreciate the concept of justice, 
that we also can let it recede just enough that maybe we can start making some decisions as a global community that don't always revert back to those terrible, terrible feelings that were unleashed on that day. And I pray to God that we find a way um, to navigate. Family, the Christ has given us that way to navigate. It's a path that follows the risen Christ, a path that embraces fear, that rejects fear and embraces hope. It's a path that welcomes all without exception. The Gibbard Center, an interfaith organization, wrote in their 9-11 remembrance, that the terrorists who brought down the World Trade Center on September 11th wanted to trigger America's collapse. They hoped to create such fear that we, amidst our grief and confusion, and with our many different religions and beliefs and cultures, that we would turn on one another. However, America's strength since its beginning and today has been in the power of people to unite around shared values for a common good. Some have, of course, exploited the fear, leading to racist attacks and violence against those thought to be Muslim. But at the same time, countless others have worked to fight hate and build enduring relationships within and across faith communities, strengthening our society and helping to keep us safe. I lived in New York City for a long time, my 20s. And it was tough, and it, it was hard, and it was, and it was beautiful, and it was magic. And uh, I had I just moved to Los Angeles, not just, but I'd been in LA for a while, and I ended up booking a job that worked um, in Vancouver um, on September 11th. 2001. It was strange to be in another country um, during all that, and it was terrifying to not be able, just the communication, I remember like everybody, like all my friends in New York, everybody. I used to bartend down by, in the South Street Seaport, by the down there, down south by the towers. And the towers were just so beautiful to me. Um, when I went back later, uh, New York was strange. And one thing that I felt was like, this misguided, like I couldn't, my, I, the Twin Towers is what you look to, to see if you were going north or south or where you were when you were lost in New York City. And uh, I was lost in New York City. What do we do with that kind of thing? With that, something that horrific, something that just surreal in the worst way. And how do we combat something so evil? I just, you know, there's, I know what I can't do. 
I can't stop an airplane. I can't catch a bullet. But what I can do is live out and live within the glory of Romans 12, 21. Never be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Good. The goodness in us, the faith in us, the Lord within us is what lets us overcome evil. On this weekend of remembrance, I ask that we recommit ourselves to following the way of the Christ, knowing full well that Jesus might take us to places we don't want to go. We might have to change. We might actually have to turn the other cheek. We might be perceived as weak. We might even be called socialist because we embrace the values of Christ. We may not be called in our lifetimes to run into a burning building or as Polly said, to stop a plane or to catch a bullet. But that doesn't stop us from actively demonstrating our faith in the love of Jesus Christ. So if Afghan refugees are resettled here in the Los Angeles area, let's commit to supporting them in their new life together and find ways to do that. We can call out racism and hate speech on social media because we've had a lot and there's more to come. We can also begin to reimagine what it will mean to do our homeless outreach in the ongoing COVID era. And finally, we can learn to love someone, another, the other, someone who might be profoundly unlovable. One of my favorite quotes from the great Frederick Buechner in his wonderful book, The Magnificent Defeat, is that the love for equals is a human thing, a friend for a friend, Brother for brother, it is to love what is loving and lovely and the world smiles. The love for the less fortunate is a beautiful thing. The love for those who suffer, for those who are poor, the sick, the failures, the unlovely. This is compassion and it touches the heart of the world. The love for the more fortunate is a rare thing. To love those who succeed where we fail. To rejoice without envy with those who rejoice. The love of the poor for the rich. The world is always bewildered by its saints. And then there is love for the enemy. Love for the one who does not love you but mocks, threatens, and inflicts pain. This is God's love. It conquers the world. So family, let us conquer the world with God's love. Following the Christ and walking in his path towards peace. And one day, may there indeed be peace on earth. Amen.
as you leave this place, truly the instruments of God's peace, let it begin with you. Let God's spirit move through you, those actions that your heart is pushing you and encouraging you to take, take them. Let the world know what it means to love. Go in peace.